Are you good? How good are you? So good. How good a boy are you? <laughs> good enough that I got an adult beverage. <laughs> okay. All right. I am recording now. Good on your end. Excellent. Good evening, you're listening to the Drunken UX Podcast. I am your host, Michael Feenan. And I'm your co-host, Aaron Hill. Aaron, how are you doing tonight, man? Oh, I'm pretty good. I feel like I need to tell people that the Drunken UX Podcast is brought to us by our friends or made possible by our friends. I don't. I, I need to decide on maybe a, a, a wording there, but uh, Gasmark 8, they help us out and we appreciate it. Uh, you can check out their site at gasmark8thenumber8.com slash drunk. Uh, what else? Let's see. Uh, Twitter, Facebook, Slack. Uh, take it, Aaron. We got twitter.com slash drunken UX and also facebook.com slash drunken UX. And you should come and check us out on Slack. We are on there all the time. Go to drunkenux.com slash Slack for the sign up form. I feel like we're on there all the time, but really everybody are. else, maybe not so much. <laughs> Well, I, I tell you what, we've got a special evening tonight, so I decided to up my game a little bit and uh, break out the good stuff. So tonight I'm drinking, and, and this is a mouthful, but it's literally a mouthful, and it's worth it. Um, <laughs> I got my uh, Dalmore King Alexander the Third, twelve sixty three, which is just a gorgeous bottle of Highland Scotch. That hold I it up, let me see it. It's uh, yeah. So everybody at home can't see uh, because that we're is a nice on a hangout color. here, but that's a. Uh, that is a $220 bottle of scotch that, Good let God. me tell you, is worth every damn dollar it is. <laughs> if you like scotch, if you don't like scotch, I don't know what to tell you. <laughs> oh. did, did, did you break that up because I'm on the show tonight? Yes. Yeah, yeah. Oh, man. I, yeah. Oh, I'm, I'm getting those tingly feelings. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, uh, Aaron, wait, what are you drinking? Give, I've us a, got... give us some insight. I've got some Svedka vodka. It's my favorite vodka. No way I'm not being paid to advertise for them. I just really like it. Um, I I just, I'll be honest, I just threw random juice into it in my kitchen. I think it's got like elderflower lemonade, some grapefruit juice, splash of cranberry, some bitters. Tastes all right. This um, is like the cocktail hour with Aaron Hill tonight. <laughs> it's, there was no planning that went into this. I don't know that I could recreate it if I need to, but it's good. So I got fancy scotch. He's got a fancy cocktail. We got fancy tonight because we've got a real special episode for you guys. So coming up relatively soon in broad terms is the Gutenberg update for WordPress. This is the release of the new visual editor. Um, it's basically the largest update to WordPress in pretty much its history, um, at least since WordPress 2.0. I'm getting some, some of... <laughs> Shut up. They don't know. <laughs> so some of my research last summer, when I started looking into this, they uh, they started building Gutenberg back in February of last year. And as I was following along, one of the first big articles I came across was the uh, Why Gutenberg article over at WP Tavern. Uh, mm. This article is written by a, a lovely, lovely and gentle gentleman named uh, Jeff Chandler. Oh, we should get him on the show. I got to tell you, I, I felt like we needed some help tonight. <laughs> so joining us on mic number three is jeff what? chandler coming to us from wp tavern where he has been a writer over there for 
Um, I would assume many years. I actually don't know how many years. Um, and he's also a host at the WordPress Weekly Podcast. So if you are a WordPress developer and you're interested in keeping up to date on the latest goings-ons and, and hearing from other uh, industry professionals in WordPress, check them out. It's at WPTavern.com. There's a link in the header. You can go check it out, subscribe, and, and it's in, I know it's in Google Play. I assume it's in all the other places, but I don't use <laughs> Apple products, so I can't tell you. So uh, <laughs> hi, Jeff. How you doing, man? Hey, I'm Jeff. doing good. I'm I'm drinking something that I really don't know. It's vodka mixed with something. It's not cranberry juice. It's a soda. I'm drinking something that a 30 year old shouldn't be drinking, but I like it, so <laughs> I'm just gonna deal deal with it. But uh, but thanks for having me back, which would mean that I was already here a, a, a first time. But you were here before, <laughs> were you? Was I? Let's, let's I just think. I, I, I feel deja vu too. I feel like one of the people responsible for this podcast didn't do his job quite right and maybe made a mistake recently. And it happens to all of us podcasters at least once. It's everybody gets one, right? Everybody gets one. So we've had a rehearsal on this topic. So if, if this uh, episode isn't any good, then I guess uh, we got nobody to blame but ourselves at that point. We learned, we learned our lesson. Everybody's recording. We got this. <laughs> Everybody, we yeah, have, we got it. We have YouTube recording us. We've got safety tracks recording us. We're good. We're good. <laughs> uh, and I, you know, I think uh, we're all drinking probably a little bit more than last time too. So that should make things yeah. probably at least a, a tiny bit more interesting. As one does. Yeah. So I think it's you know it's worth doing just the briefest of overviews because most fo- most of the folks who are interested in this are probably well aware. TinyMCE has been the visual editor of choice within WordPress since WordPress 2.0, 2005. Literally 13 years this has been in place. Some people love it. Some people hate it. That's going to happen. It's it's a – TinyMCE is relatively mature as a tool at this point. Mm -hmm. So folks – and when Matt Milweg took over, he started looking at what we could do to kind of bring WordPress into parity with – other tools and said, let's deal with complicated layout stuff that other people are solving. Let's get rid of some of the short code soup that is taking place inside WordPress themes and let's make a new tool. Um, And so that's what has brought us to today, basically, and why we are looking at the Gutenberg editor and what's, what's coming there. Um, And I feel like you know, it's it's a big update. WordPress uh, CLI uh, that was you know a big tool that came out. The REST API release was huge. Um, this is going to eclipse both of those, and people they are going to react strongly to it, and they are reacting strongly <laughs> to it. Don't say. <laughs> I mean, you say you say it's one of the biggest updates. Uh, that cannot be understated. I mean, this is a part of WordPress that everybody, all users, at some point interact with and some people yeah. do it on an everyday basis some <clears throat> do it every now and then but this is the editor this is the one place in wordpress that all oh, practically all users touch so it cannot be understated how important and how possibly revolutionary this update is to wordpress and yeah. funny usually with updates like these that are substantial the the more interaction you have with it is usually a function of how technical you are but in this case the less technical are, the more likely you are to interact with it because it's the editor. Yes. So. Yeah, I'm just, I'm looking here real fast. They've got, at this point in time, over 6,000 commits on the branch. Wow. Uh, there are 204 active branches running on it. Um, of course, that's for, you know, any number of issues that are being worked on. It's 
it's huge. It seems like someone needs to prune, prune the branches <laughs> a bit. Someone's that, not deleting their branches after they merge. That just means there's a lot of community members, <laughs> con, you know, contributing to the success of the project. Of which, Jeff, right? I understand you've done at least some work to commit changes to it, right? Well, I've I've, I've done my part in terms of working with Gutenberg, testing it out in a live environment because hey, I love life, love living life on the edge. Um, <laughs> I've I've had. I've used it for a couple of months now and I've gone through periods of time where I hate Gutenberg and I've had, I've experienced certain bugs where I've had to disable it in order to get my work done and, and actually to order to write and publish content. And there are times when I really see and understand Gutenberg and I'm like, this is really cool. This is nice. I could, I can accomplish something in just a few steps as opposed to in the current editor that may take me, you know, a short code or, or discovering certain things that I don't have to do in Gutenberg. So I've, I've had hits or misses, you know, it, it's in rapid state of flux right now. Mm -hmm. uh, iterations are happening quickly. Uh, we're almost getting to a point now where there are major releases every week or every bi bi-weekly, so every other week. And uh, in fact, just recently, 2.6 of Gutenberg was released. And for the first time, we now have the ability to drag and drop blocks in order to sort them. So if you on the left side of the block, there are these up and down arrows, which were which was the original way where you can click up and down and you could sort them that way. Well, now if you click and hold your mouse button on that area of the block, you can drag them up and down. There's a visual indicator to show you where the blocks are going to be. And uh, this is the first version of drag and drop, I believe, in Gutenberg, which has been a highly requested feature now for a while. Um, and as you know, I, I can certainly tell that it's the first iteration and needs some work, some polishing. Sometimes it doesn't work. Sometimes it's hard to figure out where that handle is, you know, how to trigger the ability to drag and drop. Discovering that you can drag and drop blocks, you know, there's also some issues there. Uh, but, but yeah, I mean, it, it's just kind of cool now to see that uh, some of these long requested features are making their way into Gutenberg. And again, it continues to, continues to get better. Sometimes, you know, take a couple steps back, but hey, this is, it's, it's kind of cool to see how this thing is shaping up. Uh, from the outside looking in. So I, I've used Gutenberg for about uh, maybe a minute and a half altogether. Um, but I'm going to guess that there <laughs> well, was probably... that a good minute and a half or <laughs> uh, actually. Yeah. Yeah. But I, for those keeping score at home uh, who may not be familiar with Gutenberg, can, can you explain a little bit more about what it is? It, uh, it, it, it's pretty much, it's a block based editor. So in, in the current state of things, if you look at the current editor in WordPress, TinyMCE, you have paragraphs, you have spaces. It's pretty much like writing a Word document. Well, in Gutenberg, there's this idea, and it and it's not Gutenberg didn't pioneer this idea. This has been around for a while, but now we're starting to get to a content model where paragraphs are blocks, images are blocks, and, and you start dissecting pieces of content into individual items of components, which are which are what we call blocks. So in Gutenberg, you can have an image block and a paragraph block and then maybe a map block or gallery block and you can order organize them any way you want. I mean, it's kind of like Lego blocks instead of WordPress pretty much. Now, and, and the overall goal here, which Matt has said, is to unify the experience of, you know, in the current editor, we have short codes, things that he calls mystery meat, <laughs> uh, discoverability of short codes and uh, there's there's uh, uh, custom fields, things like that. And the goal of Gutenberg is to unify all those experiences into a block and provide a UI that's 
uh, a lot easier to use and accomplish task in Gutenberg versus what we have now in the, in the tiny C editor. That's, that's the end goal. If you're trying to visualize what all this looks like in your head, if, if you've seen like a medium post or use yeah. medium to edit posts, that's kind of been the comparison that everybody wants to make is that Gutenberg is very much following in the steps of what medium did. So if you're familiar with that editor or what those posts look like when you're working inside of Gutenberg, it looks very similar. It feels very much like that. Um, it has like the circle plus on the sides. I, th I think it still does, unless they've changed that. Yeah, uh, no, I think they've. I think that dropped in uh, okay. in, in 2.6, but now they've mm -hmm. moved that up to the upper left corner. So it's like you, okay. you're seeing a lot of this flux as they're figuring out, you know, what user experience makes more sense than others and and things of that nature. I think it's worth pointing out that, like, you know, we've discussed Jacob's law of usability before with, um, you know, people spend most of the time using the rest of the internet. So you should kind of follow in the footsteps of how the rest of the internet does things. And I, whether or not Gutenberg ends up being like Medium or a different editor, I think that they are wise to choose those use patterns that other sites have used. Yeah. And it's all in service of this idea of facilitating the use of much more rich layout content in your posts, in your pages themselves, um, and reducing the amount of overhead you need for things like the the visual page editors that we've got right now and things of that nature. Um, as Jeff pointed out already, dealing with uh, short codes, and that's always been one of my big problems with custom themes and and plugins is that a lot of them have these fantastic short codes that do lots of things, but there's no way to actually know they're there unless you dig through all the documentation and read through to understand it. So all of that is being exposed in Gutenberg to give a UI for it. So when you click on add a block, all the things that are in there, if you can imagine like you, your short codes can translate into that. Your widgets can translate into that. The block is sort of this global purpose container that will spit out, you know, whatever it's told to spit out at that point. One of the issues that we have with themes now is theme portability, where if you use short codes or if you use page builders that are based on short codes, if you turn those off or you switch to a different theme, sometimes you end up with just a short code instead of the output that those things generate. So hopefully with Gutenberg, I don't, I don't, I don't know exactly the technical specs of, of how it would be done, but hopefully it will help themes be portable and the data that the short codes generate be portable as well. Instead of, you know, Hey, if you're using a short code on a site, you know, today, the way things work, it's like you have to leave that plugin installed mm -hmm. or yeah. else whatever you're using the output, whatever, whatever that short codes outputting will disappear if you end up deleting that plugin. So hopefully it solves that problem. That's, that's pretty annoying. Yeah, that's a and you're right. That's a really tough issue to tackle in jokes. I think even with blocks, that could be a big problem. Um, you know, it's it, it would be the same issue if you disable your plugin or theme. Now you've got blocks left behind that. What do they do? I mean, in this case, I think they're going <laughs> to spit out, you know, divs or whatever. Um, hopefully something a little more sexy than a naked short code. But I mean, yeah, there there is, I think, a lot to and that, this goes into maybe the the next kind of chunk of this which is this isn't ready but if you yeah. can if you've listened to us like the way we're talking about this there is a way to see its state and they've released a plugin that you can go use that will 
install Gutenberg into your WordPress site and you can go, you can use it. As Jeff said, he's using it on his site now. Um, I have tried it with, with drunkenux.com. Um, even with the latest 2.6 update, better, still can't <laughs> use it. Um, because we, like one thing I found that it doesn't support still are custom taxonomies. Yeah. Um, so like our, we have a speaker taxonomy when we're setting up a, a podcast episode and we can check off who's in that episode and none of that shows up in Gutenberg. So I have to switch back at that point. There's just nothing I can do for it. But there is a plugin. If, if you can get it right through the WordPress.org re repo. Just type in Gutenberg. It's the first thing that shows up. Mm -hmm. And don't use it on a production site if you care about what happens there. Unless your content is like super, super, super simple. Uh, yeah, you can and yeah. you can switch it back and forth. Like you can turn it off and go back to your old way. There's not it, the risk isn't huge, but mm -hmm. um, as anything that's still in development, still you know actively being built, two point seven may break something. We don't know. It's you know <laughs> it's like alpha test. You're you know we're alpha testers at that point. But that's that's a really good way to look at this. I, I know that there's been some amount of hemming and hawing with community people because internet people love to complain about how you know they it's incomplete or just people don't like it because of that um and it's really important to just remember that this is an unfinished product and you're being allowed to use it while it's here um because it's an open source project but like you shouldn't expect it to be finished yet yeah it makes me feel like you know if you've ever played a an alpha release game on steam yeah the, like, uh, the amount light? of hate that can come in <laughs> literally unplayable <laughs> <PUBG. laughs> <laughs> that problem is it, that problem absolutely exists here and so if you like i i think if i last look so the stats right now on the plugin there have been something like one hundred and thirty four thousand downloads of it uh that's across you know there are 37 million wordpress sites like self-hosted sites that's a fraction of, of the user base that has tested it but the the rating on the plugin is something like 2.5 2.7 it's super low for for a plugin well it's, uh, it's got 142 five stars with 204 one stars many of those one star reviews came when the plugin was early on in its development and those ratings don't reset for right the yeah. new version it's released so, so take the, take those with a grain of salt yeah, mm -hmm. don't take that to heart when you look at because I do think, and we'll hit on this later, that it, it, it you do need to install it. You do need to play with it, especially if you're a developer and see what it's like. Um, and because it, it's the future. I mean, yeah. like it or not, it's going to be coming. So uh, those that, that rating, even if it was accurate now, I don't think that rating really matters. Didn't, uh, didn't Mullenweg say something about how uh, WordPress 5 was kind of the release was contingent on this finishing yes yeah yes. so okay. so uh, uh there's been some in the past matt has said that he would like to see gutenberg installed on at least a hundred thousand websites before maybe even considering merging it into wordpress and if we look at the sites it's only actively installed on nine thousand sites so far below the hundred thousand I don't think that's going to be the only metric that he uses to determine whether it, uh, I, I know, I asked him uh, that this is not going to be the only metric to determine when it's merged in the core, but it's tied to WordPress 5.0 and WordPress 5.0 will not ship 
this year until Gutenberg is done and it's merged into core. So there's been some discussion about maybe April that WordPress 5.0 would be released. And this has caused, like I don't know this where month? this information, yeah, uh, this month. I don't know where this information came from, but it has caused a lot of freelancers, developers, people who have small consultancies scrambling and scratching their heads and, and going crazy. Like, oh my God, we got to learn about this. What am I going to do? This ain't ready. You can't merge this now. And Gutenberg is nowhere near where it needs to be to be merged into course. So don't calm down. Don't worry about it. There's still a lot of time left before this thing gets merged into WordPress or WordPress 5.0 is released. I mean, the team's working really fast. I I would be very impressed if, if WordPress 5.0 is released this year. I mean, yeah, it could happen. Uh, and and to, to see Gutenberg get to that state, you know, would be really cool. Uh, but it just seems like a, a, a goal that's way off on the horizon right now, just from my perspective. No, no, I completely agree with you. Um, and there is no release date at this point. Like, you know, whatever has been thrown around has been thrown around, you know, off and on with different dates for a long time. This is one of those things, and you'll hear this if you talk to enough uh, software developers over time, you'll hear this kind of phrase a lot. It's ready when it's ready. And they're not going to ship it. Uh, yes. you, okay, you okay, Aaron? <laughs> you got it. It's, dude, it's too early in the night to be getting there. I'm just saying. <laughs> it, there, yes. if, you, if you go look on GitHub right now, there's something like 650 open issues on it. And now all of those won't get solved probably before release, but a lot of them are significant still. Mm -hmm. um, you know, it's it, it's six months out minimum, I think. Yeah. that's If it hits this year, I think it's going to be October, November. And I, I think, I'm... I wonder if, they're, uh, wonder if they have a um, milestone set. Because then you can kind of see, like, how many issues are assigned to the milestone. Oh, that's a good idea. Yeah, I didn't, hadn't thought about that. Um, but one one of the other stats I thought was interesting too, if you look at the plugin stats on WordPress.org for Gutenberg, is that so 2.6 is the latest version out there. And according to the stats, 30.9% of the active installs out there are using 2.6. So we're talking about 70% uh, of installs out there of Gutenberg are running a version that's not current. Uh, so so that's also kind of something to take into account here when you look at ratings and reviews and, and whatnot is, is, you know, the 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 uh, amount of people, the number of people and sites out there that are actually staying up to date with the latest and greatest in Gutenberg. I could probably have a whole other episode on just the art of keeping anything in WordPress up to date, <laughs> let alone Gutenberg. Yeah. Um, no, but if you are looking to keep up on this stuff too, because it is ongoing, you know, development will continue for several more months. No doubt it will continue well beyond that. Um, a couple sites worth kind of keeping an eye on, uh, Mike McAllister's site, Gutenberg.news. Um, it's literally .news instead of .com. So he's aggregating a lot of information there. And as Jeff pointed out, he's also got a plugin and theme that he's kind of pushing. That's a Gutenberg powered system. Um, and then the GutenbergTimes.com are both sites that are aggregating a lot of this information from all the sources and trying to bring them in so that there's, you know, a couple sites that you can go to to get a lot of this all in one place. Yeah, and if people want to get a, a visual representation and, and learn about why Gutenberg is important and, you know, for a while I've been struggling with Gutenberg and trying to figure out sort of the, the overarching vision and what it's trying to accomplish. And I saw a presentation live, I was in person by Morton Rand Hendrickson called Gutenberg and the WordPress of Tomorrow. Uh, 
And it's a fantastic presentation that walks you through the evolution of the web and the content models that we have and how we're evolving. And he even mentions how we have to get ready for VR and uh, augmented reality and how blocks kind of fit into that paradigm where we're not limited to just the viewports of phones and screens that we have today. And blocks help us branch out of that mindset. And uh, it sort of sets the stage for WordPress to be relevant in the future. So you probably have the link to that in the show notes, but this is a very enlightening presentation uh, for me at WordCamp US last year. Yeah, yeah, we'll definitely get a, a link to that for folks because yeah, any of this is good information to build on, especially when we start thinking about what does what does Gutenberg mean for the future and, and why is it coming? Because one of the things that um, I've seen reiterated in a lot of uh, sort of detractor posts, as it were, is you know, looking at what problems this is trying to solve. Because for a lot of people, tiny MCE is good enough. It's one of those cases of this solves the problems they have. And so they're looking at Gutenberg as this grand re-envisioning of something that doesn't need re-envisioned. Who do we think, you know, and this goes straight to Aaron and Jeff, yeah. who is this update for as far as you guys are concerned? I'll say that, when Tiny MCE was released with 2.0, like at 2005, like that was the cat's meow. I mean, that was like, that was the good stuff back then. It's kind of, we have better now. We have better technology. Um, I think you're right though. Like to me, that's one of the groups though that I think it's for because the people who were using WordPress in 2005 were purely content producers they were yes, bloggers yeah. because wordpress was a blogging platform and it did not have the cms features that it has right. now and gutenberg to me is a very content forward piece mm -hmm. of code work it's very much focused on produce and this is going to sound altruistic or something but it, it's to produce beautiful content easily you know yeah. content that people will enjoy consuming and uh, do that without the burdens of all the other stuff that WordPress is trying to accomplish. So I, I think you're right that going back to that period feels very right for what if I had thinking. my wish, it would do it would undo the uh, post editor visual editors um, like the uh, what site origin panels and the other ones Composer. yeah, I that's like, that's that's not that's like a, a a deviation of what that box is intended for, and like people are doing it because they can, not considering if they should. Um, and I, I think this will. I know that like it can do stuff with fancy stuff with blocks and all that with Gutenberg, but at the same time, I think that making the focus on just getting the content up there and less on doing the layout and using it as like a WYSIWYG CMS, um, if it can go in that direction, I think that's a good thing. By the way, I looked it up. There is a WordPress 5.0 milestone. It says 4% complete. There are 21 open issues. Some of those have uh, tasks on them. So, In other words, but, um, don't trust that milestone. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, I mean, if you want to see like what they're saying, what what they're saying they want to see on the, um, you know, the WordPress 5.0 release, you can see the list of issues that they've assigned to that. Uh, I'll put it in the show notes. Well, it, it, Matt Mulloway is leading this release, so it's what he wants to see <laughs> before he considers right. releasing it out to the wild. Yeah. Uh, but so there are two things, two main things uh, we want to get to. But the first is uh, there's a lot of 
people out there are saying that this move, that Gutenberg is only being developed because it will make WordPress compete with the likes of Squarespace, Wix, Medium, and some of the other services out there that provide similar editors as to Gutenberg. And that's not the sole reason Gutenberg is being developed and being created inside of WordPress. But one of the side benefits of that is, yes, it will allow WordPress to compete against those platforms. And it's a it's not, reason, not the reason. Yeah, thank you. It's <laughs> a reason and not the reason. I, I, I wish more people would understand that. It's it's tough because even then, you know, the the business model of these companies from automatic to to the site providers is very different. And so th that that move and I think that's exactly why you're right. That move isn't the the reason because that's not what wordpress is focused on but it is a technology issue and, and the other issue is that uh or or the thought is that gutenberg is going to kill page builders and that couldn't be farther mm -hmm. from the truth what gutenberg right uh -huh. now it's focus is on the editor and uh, it, it focuses on content but in after gutenberg in a post gutenberg world it will move towards the customizer in wordpress customization uh, layout options, things of that nature. And what Gutenberg hopes to achieve with page builders is providing a standard, a uh, standard set of things that page builders can tap into and use and extend so that there are not 200 different variations of accomplishing the same thing, which ruins compatibility and portability across themes and sites. Uh, these page builders like Beaver Builder is already doing this. Elementor, I think, is already doing this. They're keeping a very close eye. They're smart, keeping a very close eye on Gutenberg. They're even pitching in. They're working on core issues with Gutenberg. And they're trying to see where it's going. And they're already experimenting with how they can implement Gutenberg stuff into their products and stay close to core instead of doing everything on their own. And I, I think Gutenberg, if it's implemented the way it's described, is going to be a huge uh, a huge positive thing for page builders if they decide to to build on top of that foundation it sets. I, I think what we'll see in, in that world is two or three of them, I think, will kind of lead the pack and the rest will ultimately fall away because I don't think there will be a, a market for the diversity that we have right now anymore. Uh, I don't think that's a bad thing. <laughs> one, one thing I should point out here is that Unlike previous everything in WordPress, uh, Gutenberg is JavaScript. This is React-based, right? So if you want to move, if you want to help, or if you want to kind of position yourself for uh, doing anything WordPress in the future, um, start learning React. <laughs> yeah, about two years ago at the State of the Word, Matt said, learn JavaScript deeply, and he wasn't lying. Yeah. <laughs> On you know something that in take one of this episode we didn't really get into, but I'll just kind of toss out there and run away from. But uh, remember when uh, Calypso started being built out? You know that whole idea was we're going to build out this this backend manager in React and use the REST API. Um, then there was the whole stuff with Facebook, you know, changing the licensing on React and then changing, oh, reversing yeah. course and. I don't I actually don't know. I was thinking about this uh, in review of the show notes. I don't know now if Gutenberg definitely is written on React because I don't know if they oh, changed no, course is, or, or is React. they did stick to it. Okay. Yes. I thought it was, but. Uh, there, Gutenberg I, I, is a React-based application. Calypso is 100% React-based, but there there is work going on within Gutenberg to where uh, they're working on a way to allow developers 
to be uh, JavaScript framework agnostic with blocks. So you'll be able to create blocks in React or uh, what's the other one? Um, what's the other JavaScript frameworks that are out there? I mean, there's a React, Angular, Vue. Yeah, so you'll be able to use the framework of your choice to build your block, and it'll work as it should in Gutenberg. So they're, they're already aware of being able to support and, and function with other JavaScript frameworks. Just to, to rewind us just a hair uh, and, and talk a little bit briefly about the visual editor stuff. I mentioned I hate visual editors. I hate them with a the passion. <laughs> I get why yeah. they're necessary, and I, I understand that they are a solution to a problem that is badly understood, which is you know, making <laughs> making a page editable for somebody who doesn't know how to code, but we're going to give them this giant, you know, overstuffed visual editor that has more options dripping out of it than it knows what to do with and expect them to understand that any better. I hate okay. all of it. I hate I need to go in, I need to go in the soapbox for a minute about this because it, I, so, you know I wasn't, <laughs> I need to step up onto your soapbox with you because it's one thing that I find, uh, I mean, in my decade plus of doing web dev, when, when you have a template and you have defined content regions, like there is a reason why we don't give end users like carte blanche with the HTML that they put in there because they do stupid things and they mean well, but they're, they're focusing on like design stuff. And it's like, that's not your job. If you're a content manager or a content writer, your job is to write content and format it so that it's readable. And the, the reason I don't like the visual editors is because it, like I mentioned before, like it, it distorts that. And I mean, I'm all for democratizing like, you know, abilities for users and everything else. But like the, the place for that is in the theme editing. So if you want to do design stuff, you do it at the theme level, not in the visual editor. That's for content. And so. I think, uh, and, and Site Origin, I think is the, the latest uh, big development house to come out and say that they are, they will fully support Gutenberg in their visual uh, composer, visual editor. Um, but, and I, I feel bad because I don't remember, I, I don't want to call Site Origin, uh, out specifically on this because I don't know if they were the one I saw. One of the big, whether it was iThemes or, or Side Origin or or, uh, or who it was, that was showcasing their visual editor inside of Gutenberg. They hadn't moved like all of their pieces into blocks, which is the way I would envision that working. They would say, you know, they would make their their rows, columns, you know, floatable elements. All of this would just become blocks that you choose. And I want this block here, and I want these blocks inside of that. Whatever. All they did was move their entire composer into one block, which to me is just picking up the problem and moving it into a different place. You know, it's it's taking your your pile of dirty clothes out of the closet and putting them under the bed. That's all that <laughs> is. Uh, and that's my fear with the visual uh, editor people and, and the like, is that they're just going to take the lazy route. And that's also why I said that I think a lot of them will either just give up entirely or we're going to see those few big, you know, like the side origin folks, mm -hmm. the few groups will really stand out and will take the lead on it. But the other ones are going to have no real room because if yeah. they half ass it at all, there's no point in having it. Right. I, mean, it, I think it's a good opportunity for pivoting for um, the, the people who were previously doing things with tiny MCE hacking it up and all that, like they can pivot on this. And if they can, play to the strengths of the new block system in Gutenberg, I think, you know, that could be pretty cool. Um, and maybe it won't, 
raise my ire as much as the visual editors do. <laughs> and and to, to what you were saying earlier, and this is on the docket and something, I don't know if it's already available or if it's not already available, it will be. But after Gutenberg is released, theme authors will be able to create Guten templates where you have predefined set of blocks and you can control whether users can add more blocks or take away those blocks. I think, I think you can lock it down pretty good and then make it so that all they have to do is insert the content that they need in that block and then that's it. So they, they just worry about the content. You've already taken care of the design with the Gutenberg template of blocks. And I, I think that will help eliminate the situation you just described there. And you made a comment and take one of this that I'm going to co-op and make it sound like I said it. So I said it like a smart one. Um, Gutenberg is really built around empowering the idea of atomic design. Mm. Uh, and that idea of taking the individual atomic elements, but then building those up into like the molecules and organisms of the page. And that's, I think, exactly what you're referring to there is this idea of empowering people to say, you know what? you know, the problem we need to solve is intelligently building these pages with these larger components that mm -hmm. are flexible and do output the way you would expect them to. And the other cool thing about Gutenberg is that it heavily uses the REST API, which was recently added to WordPress. So uh, Gutenberg, it's it's dog fooding your own development. So they're, they're finding a lot of issues and finding out that there are a lot of endpoints that they don't have that they need to build in order for Gutenberg to function. So that'll benefit all the developers out there. And that kind of leads the way into uh, uh, modern development practices with WordPress, which for the longest time, WordPress is the boon of so many developers out there because you can't do all those cool things you're taught in college, you know, OOP and all that MVC and whatever oh, developer jargon crap you want to come up with to talk about, you know, developing WordPress in cool ways as just spaghetti code. But by and large, especially within the last two years, much of WordPress's code base and a lot of the changes are JavaScript based, not so much PHP. And mm -hmm. now that WordPress has the REST API inside of core, it's got a bunch of endpoints. You've got a JavaScript React based application in Gutenberg and the customizer is even a React application within WordPress. And if we talk about atomic design and get these small components of content, this lends itself very well to this, uh, what you call headless CMS where you can just mm -hmm. use the REST API, call the specific endpoints you need, which could be pieces of content or post or whatever that you create That'll in be Gutenberg, really cool. and then get rid of the WordPress backend. Uh, this lends itself, this model, content model, lends itself very well to the whole headless CMS scene. And Gutenberg basically, like in, in that world, what they're doing effectively is packaging the, the editor piece of WordPress into a microservice kind of setup. Mm -hmm. uh, so that it's entirely decoupled, it's its own standalone thing. And that makes it easy. And this is maybe important to people who might be getting scared about Gutenberg. You, <laughs> there will be a transition period for this in which they have the, uh, the classic editor plugin where you can swap these things in and out. So right. don't be yeah. scared once Gutenberg launches. It's not like, oh God, now what? You, you will have a, the ability to kind of soft transition that for a while. I bet someone, maybe not automatic, but I bet someone will maintain that classic editor plugin for a long time. I'll guarantee it. And there probably won't be yeah. just one. There'll be two yeah. or three or four, who knows what. Uh, something else, too, that I think is interesting is that you look at some of the big 
WordPress development and consultant agencies. And I'm thinking of like 10up, Web Dev Studios, Crowd Favorite. These are folks that work with enterprise clients. They've all have published posts about their thoughts and their outlooks on Gutenberg and what people should be concerned with. And my favorite was by Crowd Favorite by Kareem. And he said that, you know, Gutenberg is a lot of it is a planning issue. It, a lot comes down to planning and, and it's not so much of an implementation thing, but more about the planning and, and how it's going to be implemented, how it's going to affect your site. And just just really the that that's one of the most important parts of of easing client sites, maybe the enterprise into into Gutenberg is, is, is all the planning that's necessary. And you may know the answer to this, Jeff, because I absolutely don't. But when it comes to like the classic editor plugin, do you think that they will package that with WordPress for a while, kind of like they do with the the Hello no. Dolly, you know, type thing? You think that'll be totally optional? I, I think it will be optional. Uh, they're going to push hard for Gutenberg by default and say, hey, if if you don't like it, uh, like it will be in a blog post or something else. But there will be some way they inform the user. To that there's a classic editor plugin available. And Matt has said that and somebody actually asked him this on stage. This was one of the questions that WordCamp US last year, uh, how long they plan on maintaining the classic editor plugin. He said, well, it could be a year, could be two years. We'll see. You know, so it maintaining that over the course of five years, I don't know, it doesn't seem to make sense because you want people to, to, to use Gutenberg because you truly believe in it, that it's going to be the revolution of WordPress to make it relevant for years to come. So it's maintaining a classic editor plugin for five years seems a little strange to me, but you know, two years, I think that's, that's a really good, you know, period of time to eat, to allow a lot of so many other people to transition into Gutenberg and, you know, Hey, hats off to them for, for doing it that way, instead of just forcing everybody on Gutenberg with no <laughs> other opportunity with no transition. I think one other thing is that the uh, it if you have doubts or reservations, I, I mean, Automatic has been around for over a decade. They've been doing this a long time. They recognize the footprint they have on the internet. They're not going to make force you to use something that is not like suitable to be used. And so, um, when they do finally push it out, like if you want to do the classic editor plugin, that's fine, but. I mean, it should be a finished product by then. Hopefully, and one of my one of my largest concerns about Gutenberg, and I've already experienced this by testing it, is is plugin support. And I'm not talking about just plugins that are installed on a hundred thousand sites or a million sites, with you know, like a Yoast SEO. I'm talking about plugins I depend on to publish my work that are only installed on maybe say nine thousand sites that currently don't support Gutenberg. They're not; it's not compatible with it, and. You know, if Gutenberg was merged into WordPress today, it would be a disaster simply from the standpoint of plugin support. So I hope that, you know, once Word or once Gutenberg gets to a point where the Metabox APIs, the sidebar APIs, some of the other stuff gets finalized, that we'll start to see a lot more plugin authors uh, uh, build in support uh, for Gutenberg. Because uh, if you take a look at GiveWP, they have a really cool nonprofit donation plugin you can use. Uh, they've got a really great series of articles they published on what how they're looking at Gutenberg and how it translates into their product and what they can do to maybe take some of the ways that their product works and make it even better thanks to what Gutenberg has to offer with the block model. And it's a, it's a really good look into uh, the minds of, of how a product company is looking at Gutenberg, how it can improve their product. Yeah, so 
let's take a break. Let's go refill our glasses here. And when we come back, we'll start getting into some of the uh, the considerations you need to be thinking about, whether you're you know a full-time developer or a freelancer, um, and also look at what we are going to gain with this and what the challenges are moving forward. So get your glass. We'll come back, and we will cover that for another hour and a half, or however long it takes. <laughs> long enough. As long as I can keep Jeff here before he starts charging me. <laughs> The Drunken UX Podcast is made possible by our friends at GasMark8. GasMark8 is a web hosting firm with data centers in New York, San Francisco, London, and Frankfurt. Customers of GasMark8 enjoy free SSL certificates, sites that are served over HTTP2, and the experience of owners who design the service around the needs of their customers. Listeners of the Drunken UX Podcast can enjoy service for $10 a month. Just sign up at GasMark8.com drunk. That's GasMark8.com slash drunk. Thanks for sticking with us. We've got some important stuff to talk about. I am your host, Michael Feenan, and with me on the other side of the microphone is your co-host. Aaron, how are you? Hi, Aaron. And with us today, as a reminder, in case anybody forgot, is our very, very special, and first, actually, let's let's, uh, be sure to give that uh, attention, our first (laughs) guest on the podcast, Jeff Chandler. Appreciate you coming out, man. Hello, hello. I I should say, wait, let me me rephrase that. Thank you for coming out again. No problem. I know where it's at because I got lost the first time. <laughs> so too charitable. <laughs> we're talking about WordPress Gutenberg, and we want to continue this uh, this chain because we're excited about it. We're apprehensive about it. We're full of emotions. We don't know where to take them. Um, the only thing I know for sure is that I am about three glasses deep into a really expensive bottle of scotch, and it is a good time. Um, go ahead. You're going to say something. Do it. No, I was, I was going to ask you, how, how much money did you pour in that glass? <laughs> okay. <laughs> so I was explaining to Aaron uh, during our little uh, hiatus that there's a bar in Boston that I go to when I travel up there for work. It's called City Bar. It's in the Linux Hotel. It is a, a genuine, nice scotch bar. They have like three or four shelves of scotch. You just point, you know, probably 300 bottles. That's where I found this scotch. And when I travel, I like to splurge. I like to do things. Um, We were joking earlier uh, that uh, I'm in Southeast Kansas, not exactly a cultural hub of the country. So I like to try things that I don't get to try elsewhere. And so I I found the scotch, $52 a glass. (laughs) So, I mean, if if one, one bottle of this on the margin... I don't know. They make probably two thousand dollars on a bottle, somewhere in there. That's oh man, brilliant. you better ramp up your leads and get some more client work. <laughs> yeah, I didn't buy this bottle alone. This was like a a, a gift purchase between me and friends. We all chipped in to okay. to afford it, and I'm trying to finish it off while we're on this show. <laughs> no, that would I would not have a good morning if I did that. Tiny MC isn't going away for now. We we kind of were ending in that area last time and talking about, you know, we've got a classic editor. It's going to stay around. Um, both those plugins, Gutenberg and the classic editor plugins are both in, in the repo. So you can check those out for freelancers. A lot of folks make their living as a freelancer. That's what they do. That's, that's how they make the money. They work with small mom and pop shops. 
you know, they probably have, uh, you know, support contracts that go for a year for, you know, 20 hours a month or whatever. Um, for you guys, you know, especially when it comes to Gutenberg, the way I've looked at it and the way I've tested it, I feel like if you are setting up a new site, even today, if it's a, a fairly simple site, I don't think it's a big deal. Um, yeah. I mean, I wouldn't do it on a full production site necessarily for all of the reasons we've said, but I do think that new sites moving forward, if that's all your, especially your clients, and, and that's the, uh, the really important piece of that. If all your client knows is Gutenberg, no big deal. They will pick it up. They will understand it. They will get it just as easily as they would pick up and understand Tiny MCE if you're taking the time to teach them about that. And so I don't, I don't think that there's a lot of room to worry or or concern yourself in that realm. I think I think you uh, made a good point last week that for for new sites for new projects. Uh, I think that unless Gutenberg fits in now, that you could build the site the way you want to, but keep Gutenberg in the back of your mind and how possibly it could be integrated into what you're building then and there. Yeah. And I would be prepared to build, like if you are a freelancer and you are working with people who will have sites now, what you need to be thinking about is how do you train them? If you are allowing them to edit stuff and you're just handling their updates, you know, and, and their, you know, their theme tweaks and changing their Facebook link when they lose their password, whatever. Having a plan moving forward to know that, yeah, when Gutenberg launches day one, the first thing you're going to do is go install the classic editor and switch it on so they don't know anything has changed. But yeah. that's temporary. So you do need to have some kind of plan. I think from a training standpoint for those people. Do you do you happen to know uh, Jeff? Maybe be the person to ask. Um, so when you know with the regular classic editor, you can enable or disable it from the settings. Um, is that the same kind of thing with Gutenberg? Can you like switch back and forth between the Gutenberg editor and the classic editor, or do you have to like choose one or the other, and that's just what it is? Well, right now. WordPress, I haven't looked in my user profile settings. I believe that's where it's at because you can control it on an individual basis based on the user profile. But I mean, right now, WordPress, the, the way it works now is like if you write a post in Gutenberg, but you need to switch back to the classic editor, the WordPress, the tiny MCE that's in WordPress right now is the classic editor. So if you go to the, your all posts screen, you see all the posts you've published, there will be yeah. a little quick link underneath that says classic editor where you can open up that post in the editor oh. that you're used to today in WordPress. Uh, of course, if you want to use the classic editor, you just disable the Gutenberg plugin. That's how it works today. But in the future, the classic editor is going to disappear from WordPress, AKA turn into a plugin. And so what you're describing, I don't think that's going to be an option because the classic editor would just disappear and it will be turned into a plugin and you'll just have Gutenberg will be the main editor of choice. And, and I believe that the choice on the user profile page today just lets you select between visual and text of the tiny right. MCE editor. So, you, so it doesn't actually, you can't switch between actual editors, but just a visual and text version of, uh, of the current text editor, which by the way, Gutenberg also has a visual and text editor. So if you want to edit the HTML of something like you, that you're used to, you could do that in Gutenberg. It's just that because they've chosen to use HTML comments, to for the basis of their blocks if you edit a post in like text mode in gutenberg 
it's it's pretty hard to decipher things because there were so many HTML comments. Uh, it's it, it gets crazy in there. <laughs> it's basically what they've done is replaced short codes with comments. That's yeah, yeah behind the a, scenes, yeah. pretty much. Yeah, it, it's, not comments. A, it's not a great metaphor for how it's working, but it is similar-ish. And those comments go away for anybody who's concerned. If you look at the page on the front end, those comments don't get printed out. They're only for for the back end. And like you were saying, with uh, going back and forth between the classic editor, if you edit a post in Gutenberg and then transform it into uh, the classic editor, oh yeah, there's you're you're not getting the same experience. Like it will not look the way it did. They don't expect that. Don't and, and even in the long run, like that's not a now thing. That's a never thing. <laughs> yeah, and, and I'm I'm also curious now that you brought this up. I'm gonna talk a little bit about this experience and maybe ask you guys a question. But recently, so WordPress has all these different tools available to where you can write and edit content in WordPress. There's the WordPress mobile apps for Android and iOS. There's Calypso. And there is probably some other editor out there, probably third-party editors that, that tie into WordPress as well. My favorite is Calypso. But the other day, I needed to make a quick edit to a typo in a post. So I used the WordPress for mobile app on iOS. I edited the post, and I can actually see the comments, the HTML comments that Gutenberg put in the post. I I corrected my typo, clicked save. Then I viewed the, uh, the, the post on the desktop, and it was... It was all screwed up. I it was it was the <laughs> formatting was gone. The unordered list were screwed up, and it really peed me off that I had to do so much more editing work from just editing a typo from the mobile app. So I'm kind of curious on how they're going to build in this compatibility with all these other third party editors and tools that still sort of have their their way of editing and writing content in WordPress. It's not exactly compatible yet. Not even Automatic's products are compatible with mm. uh, Gutenberg yet. I mean, the, the approach they're using, hopefully, is part of that solution, right? Is the whole idea is all of this stuff is getting kind of abstracted in a way that should make it easy. Yeah, it should, should open up it. compatibility. Yeah, yeah. I, I would hope. Um, not yet. <laughs> I use, so we've got between uh, the company I work for and just myself, I've got a ton of WordPress sites I manage. I use uh, MainWP to mm. edit that. So it runs inside of WordPress already. But it's got that same, you know, I can edit posts or, you know, publish posts from from there and all of that. Obviously, it would probably just end up having the Gutenberg editor. But um, I have used the mobile app, the Android. I'm an Android guy, so I've got the that WordPress app. And I've used it. Uh, I have had maybe not equally bad, but bad enough that I don't consider it useful. I tend to just mm -hmm. log into my sites naturally now. The back end's better for it than it used to be uh, in, in that way anyway. But um, yeah, I don't, I haven't found that the app has a pleasant experience for me. Right. Yeah. And so I, so you, you talked about training. I want to harp back on that because there are some pretty cool resources out there already for Gutenberg. Zach Gordon, uh, you may know him from, he did a lot of WordPress courses at Treehouse. He's now on his own and he's doing, he has a complete Gutenberg course for developers that I've heard a lot of great feedback from, from developers who have taken it already. And he's also, I think, partnered up with Joe Casabona and they've actually done a Gutenberg course specifically for end users that I've heard a lot of great feedback on as well. What's the URL? It's like 79 bucks, I think, is all it costs, which if that's if if that's what you do for a living is work with people and, or get people to work with WordPress, 
79 bucks is well worth it at that mm. point. It's a Gutenberg dot courses. Huh. Very that yeah. Thank uh thank uh the new TLDs between <laughs> Gutenberg dot news Gutenberg dot courses. Uh, I don't know what Gutenberg times dot com was thinking, but <laughs> classic. I, I keep looking at our our website and thinking, you know, I, I look at folks like Syntax. You know, they Syntax runs their website through Syntax.fm, and a lot of podcasts do that. And I'm like. I don't think you understand why FM is important. <laughs> <laughs> and, and looking at the the business, sort of the business, right? When we talk about opportunities with Gutenberg, I think it's cool to mention Mike McAllister. He is the guy behind Array Themes, a really cool WordPress theme company. And he just recently started up a new project called Atomic Blocks. Love the name because it, it ties in perfectly to what Gutenberg is all about. And he's got a plugin that has... Uh, a drop cap has a collection of blocks that are available in Gutenberg from one plugin. And he's also developed a theme that's Gutenberg compatible. So the blocks look really good in his theme. And John and I were talking about this on WordPress weekly the other day. And he was, John was commenting about how this is like the perfect model because you've got the plugin with the blocks for all the people who are already using Gutenberg. And then, but if you really want them to look great, he's also got the theme. So he's got both grounds covered and it seems like a, uh, great business decision opportunity that uh, Mike has made. And if you check out atomicblocks.com or atomicblocks.org, one of those websites, um, he's actually starting to write tutorials and uh, we'll be creating other blocks as well in the near future for Gutenberg. So that's somebody who's looking at Gutenberg and uh, grasping onto the opportunities that it's, that it's already providing. Yeah, it's uh, atomicblocks.com. Okay. And if anybody thinks that name sounds familiar, he's the same person doing the Gutenberg.news website. So oh. there, there's some overlap that happens here in terms of these <laughs> folks. So, um, yeah, absolutely. Um, and that's where, too, I think, and I'll, you know what, I'll save that here for the, the pro-con debate. But, yeah, so if you are a theme plugin developer, now is as good a time as any to start looking at what you're doing, how do you make it compatible with Gutenberg? There will be a learning curve. I think that's mm -hmm. really important to state. Don't think that you're just going to wait to the last minute, change some you know, theme hooks and be good. That's not how this is going to work. So between you got Gutenberg courses, you can go there. They have a, a user and a developer course there. Um, that's good. As uh, uh, Jeff had pointed out earlier, give WP. They have a whole series, I say a whole series, I think it's three posts, on <laughs> what they are doing to update their system and their tools for uh, Gutenberg. Great read. It's a good way to kind of learn you, you know, that process if you aren't you know, sure how you're going to go about this. There's a lot of information there about how they're going about it. And Aaron, like you were saying, go learn React. You're yeah. gonna you're gonna serve yourself well, I think, in the long run, because a lot of especially the tutorials and even WordPress's own documentation on the uh, make.wordpress.org site, those all will show you how to build things like custom blocks, and it's almost entirely JavaScript. Yeah, <laughs> and, and Aaron, your your background as a developer, you know, yeah. he, Matt said learn JavaScript deeply, but at the time, a lot of people were asking him. What do you mean by that? Do you mean learn React? Do you mean learn Angular? Do you mean learn this or learn that? Learn jQuery? Learn whatever about JavaScript? And I, and I just like other libraries that have come before it, 
you know, what these libraries do is it lowers the learning curve. It makes lowers the barrier to entry, I think, for some developers. No. <laughs> no? Okay. I, I mean, normal, normally I would agree with, like, jQuery, for example, does make JavaScript a little easier to do. Um, I, I am learning React right now for my job, and it's it's very different from how JavaScript was before. And I don't mean okay. that in a positive or negative way. It's just different. Um, I, I don't think that it's easier than learning regular JavaScript, but um, there's just, it's a framework. So there's a lot of inter, interlinking parts that you have to learn how they work. Now, like the same could be said about PHP with how that works with WordPress. You don't have to see the whole elephant to be able to like know what parts of it are. And I'm going to guess that with Gutenberg, there will probably be some kind of quick start thing where oh, this is how you do a basic block. Just do these things. And then you don't have to fully understand what all the things do, but you can kind of start there and then build outwards. What he just said already exists, and this was made by Ahmad Awaz. I hope I got his name right. But he actually created a cool project called Gutenberg Boilerplate. So if you yeah. install this, it sets up all the frameworks, everything you need right there for you and gives you a boilerplate uh, 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 something to start off with to create yeah. your first Guten block. <laughs> it already yeah. exists. Yeah, that's and that's perfect. And I, I would start with that. But like, um, I mean, if you have aspirations to be like a you know a, like a developer, um, it's it just the plan plan of putting in the hours. Uh, it's not. I don't say this to dissuade anyone. Um, you know, it's worth doing, but just get ready to hit the books. So, and, and instead of frameworks, would your would you suggest that people start with just plain JavaScript? Because it no. seems to me like if you if you just learn JavaScript, then that's like more important than actually learning just a specific the, framework. React is different enough from vanilla JavaScript that oh okay, there's some syntax syntactic like similarities, but overall it's different enough that I would just go straight for React, and then if you want to, you can backfill. It's kind of like uh, when I learned Rails, like Rails is built in Ruby, but you don't need, if you know Ruby, it doesn't really like, you don't intuitively know rails. It's just its own framework. <laughs> I can't wait for the comments and tweets to come back from Aaron, <laughs> that he is so wrong. <laughs> JavaScript I don't know developers are very opinionated. <laughs> I don't, I don't use react uh, for anything. So I, I, I can't speak to that, but <laughs> so here's, here's the way I, I look at it though. And we'll use this as a clever segue into talking about like the pros and cons of this whole thing. Pro big pro I think is that I, I think that learning Gutenberg from a developer level and understanding how to build blocks and in turn, how to create themes that are powered by Gutenberg and all this, I think this is going to make people better developers yeah, I can see because that. there is, if, if you go to look, there's already a page on, on WordPress that outlines like how to generate blocks and things like this, like the framework for it. And it's going to force you, I think, to learn things, not force you, but encourage you gently because it's going to be a lot easier than trying to write it by hand. You know, using the WordPress uh, command line, the CLI, you know, understanding a framework at all like, like React because up until now, you can write a WordPress theme entirely by hand. Mm -hmm. You know, that's, in, that's completely possible. Building a theme that is build-ready, that uses you know, gulp or yarn, um, and is, has a preprocessor, you know, you're building everything out with SAS and all of this, you know, that's like 
next level theme development. And I feel like <laughs> Gutenberg is kind of the, the next layer of that, that my hope is it will encourage people to think more about, you know, for instance, their unit testing and the way they look at stuff that they're going to start considering. And I know they recently, uh, between, uh, the, the first time we tried to record this episode. Now there was the deal that came out about them loosening, I guess the, the theme review restrictions for what gets into the theme repo. Huh. Yep. I don't know how I feel about that, but okay, <laughs> sure. Whatever it, it puts the impetus on you, the theme developer to be good at what you do and to make sure that you aren't, you know, using bad code or introducing bugs or whatever the case may be. So the hope pro, I think it will make people better and, and more versatile in their skill sets. And if the realities or the expectations of Gutenberg turn into realities, uh, it should lead as a pro to a much better user experience of, of accomplishing tasks that users accomplish today that require short codes or any number of steps to do. Um, and I, I, I really hope that we don't end up in a situation and these will be ironed out probably through a lot of user testing, but you know, I, I feel like, and I've written about this, if, if you can't do what you do in the current editor in less steps than you can in Gutenberg, then that's a problem. And, and that just kind of makes you really yearn and want to go back to the classic editor. So, but I, I think those will be ironed out and I think everything that we do in the current editor today will be a lot easier to do and more efficient to do uh, in blocks in Gutenberg. Yeah. Well, I like thing codes. I, I don't have any problem. Like I've, I've never worried about like the, the bracket notation or anything and having that in the middle of a post, but at the same time, the idea of having those exposed as blocks with an actual GUI wrapped around it, where you don't have to yeah. go research what, you know, attributes or, or, or properties you need to apply to it to get what you want. It's better UX, certainly. Uh, yeah, oh yeah, for users, that is yeah. going to be like a watershed moment to users, I think. <laughs> I, one thing that I, I think is exciting about this, for, you were mentioning that how it's going to make the product better. And, you know, for a very long time, WordPress, the, the user-facing side of theme editing and content tweaking and all that was done in PHP and HTML. But so is the back end. And there was a lot of kind of bleed over from the back end into the themes because both sides are in PHP. But since this is all going to be in JavaScript and the back end is still in PHP for now, I think this will free up the core team to start paying off some of that technical debt that it's accumulated over the years because they can do so not quite in a vacuum, but like without needing to worry so much about how it's going to affect the, the theme side of things, because all of that is going to be just doing rest calls and stuff. Well, and Mullenweg was the one that had said that um, core developers will be able to work in modern web technologies and not worry about 15 years of backwards compatibility. Yes. You know, exactly. this is, this is about a clean break towards the future in terms of it. you support Gutenberg. You are supporting something in 2018 and forward, not, 2018 to 2005 uh, and that's i that's huge for developers i think in a lot of ways and i think it, it's kind of an apple way of thinking in a way you know that idea of you know what we're just gonna cut and run on this technology and that's okay we're gonna be okay with that decision yeah. and i do think it's the right decision in that case because that is a lot of debt and i i credit wordpress um I was cleaning up a theme that we had inherited from a developer 
that I went through and found functions that were deprecated 10 years ago. It still worked, but it was just awful code. But it still worked. Like, WordPress has done great in that realm, but there is so much code in WordPress dedicated to that support that I don't think I feel bad about saying, you know what, we're going to just kind of stop supporting some of this stuff moving forward. So last year, 2017, uh, Matt Mulloway, I believe it was during the state of the word, he said, quote, I believe quite strongly that JavaScript and API driven interfaces are the future of not just WordPress, but the web, end quote. And yeah, I don't know, what I do you think? That. That, Aaron? Yeah, I completely agree. Um, I, I yeah. I saw a tweet um, that actually came my way as a result of a conversation that uh, somebody told me JavaScript is a failed language. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I, uh, I guess I think you just made Heron's day. <laughs> <laughs> I guess I, if you listen to that guy, I mean, <laughs> I res I respect JavaScript's dominance in the market right now, but I really don't like it. <laughs> Send me your hateful tweets. <laughs> but but it, it, it's just interesting that he makes that quote. And then if you start to look at, you know, the customizer's already gone this way. Calypso's gone this way. And now if you look at the way Gutenberg's being built, it's a JavaScript application that's API-driven interface via the REST API. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, there you go. I'm interested in what that means for mobile. Um, I think mm -hmm. that's kind of the next big I do as much as like so the machine I'm on sitting I'm sitting at right now I've got a laptop on one side of me I've got two screens in front of me PC down here I do a lot of work on a tablet actually for all of this stuff in front of me I do because I I work from home so I spend a lot of time getting away from my house and going out whether it's to coffee shop bar or whatever to sit down believe I run a, a podcast called drunken UX you think I don't go to the bar <laughs> I I have learned how to do work, especially writing in particular with a Bluetooth keyboard and a tablet. And mm -hmm. so that authoring process and seeing that authoring process improve through that general development, I think is huge for anybody, whether it's WordPress or not. Um, and it, it brings that experience. If you are writing with, whether it's medium or, or web flow that we've talked about before, mm -hmm. um, you know, Wix Squarespace, these builders, um, the experience is going to be to come to parity and we come back as Aaron's mentioned Jacob's law about everybody does stuff around the web more places than yours unless you're Facebook probably uh, don't <laughs> <For> now <laughs> don't reinvent the wheel on some of this stuff and I think that's where you know WordPress made a very smart choice they knew they needed something that would carry them forward mm -hmm. and they are kind of following the beat of the drum while, you know, it's going to be their own. It's, you know, that idea of the blocks in general, like custom blocks and being able to yeah. add them through themes and plugins and all that. Medium doesn't have that. They, they don't have it the, to the degree that it sounds like Gutenberg does, but like uh, medium essentially just has like vertically stacked divs. So each and div is either a paragraph or it's a tweet or it's an image or whatever. Right. And let's face it, there's a, a big component to this. We haven't talked about the business model that much, mm -hmm. but WordPress kind of lives or dies by WordPress.com. Mm -hmm. And WordPress.com desperately, I think, needs a shot in the arm. Oh, and yeah, yeah. Gutenberg's going to come, guys, <laughs> whether yeah. you like it or not. 
Uh, and that's going to be, I think, the thing that helps them a lot in that marketplace and helps them make money towards that we're, end. WordPress.com is already a significantly different product from the WordPress that you download on .org. Uh, I was helping a friend of mine uh, customize her WordPress.com blog, and I had a hard time finding my way around it because everything was in such a different place. The, the UI is just very different. Um, so it's a totally different uh, uh, user focus. Yeah, yeah. So I, I think that like that audience, like, oh, they're gonna. This is perfect fit for that. Perfect oh fit. yeah, no, absolutely. Yeah. The last big pro I think to focus on is one that Jeff kind of hit on, and it's this idea that you know if you want a title, you are a Gutenberg transition consultant. Oh yeah. Pick pick your phrase at that point, but you're gonna have about a two year window here where. If you are a WordPress developer who wants to make money now and and capitalize on a movement, knowing Gutenberg and understanding how to help a client move a site from the classic editor into Gutenberg, there will be money to be made in that market segment. Oh my gosh, yeah. Re- <laughs> remember the number I quoted, 37 million websites run on the, the self-hosted WordPress right now, give or take yeah. a million probably. There, that's yeah. money to be made. It really, yes, I completely agree. And something else, you know, I, I want Gutenberg to be successful. WordPress is there's no actual numbers on this. There's no surveys that have concluded this, but WordPress puts food on the table for millions of people across the world. It has an enormous economy around it that branches off into all these little areas, you know, and it would be cool if. If, if the WordPress team and Gutenberg nails it to the point where because WordPress is open source and because Gutenberg is pretty much a React-based JavaScript application that's tied into the WordPress REST API, that it is so good, we start to see Gutenberg abstracted out of WordPress and we start seeing it, shown, uh, seeing it show up in competing services or in other parts of the web. That would <laughs> be a pretty cool you know, success story. Medium brought to you by Gutenberg. <laughs> that would be some shit. Hey, that that's some money in automatics pocket. If so, that would help yeah. them out. <laughs> so, uh, and while we talk a lot about, you know, the great things that are coming and, and I think all of us here see the, the potential, there are some troubles now. And I want to emphasize that those are problems today, not necessarily in the future. For instance, I know accessibility is still a huge concern. There was a, a post uh, on the Make WordPress website recently about that, that Gutenberg is a, a nightmare for screen readers at the as of 2.6. This this is one of my bigger criticisms of, of the JavaScript frameworks in general, is that they have a very um, cavalier attitude towards like semantic HTML. React table makes just a bunch. It's, for being called React Table, it doesn't use any table tags. It just uses divs, divs upon divs. <laughs> um, and you know, like they, the whole React thing is uses a virtual DOM to do a lot of the computation and the 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 backend stuff. And there's just there's kind of a separation from the document itself. And I I think that maybe someday in the future that's going to have to be reconciled because it's. You're, you're like, there's so many accessibility measures are tied into the nature of semantic HTML. And um, 
and the the JavaScript frameworks kind of deviate from that. I also saw a thing recently that the one of the practices with React is to put the style sheets localized to each of the components in your like file structure, um, which kind of negates the cascading nature of style sheets. So like they're, you know, you have style sheets that are localized to a component, and you know you're kind of putting the view with the whatever. Um, and I, I understand why it is that way, but it's it, again, it's stepping away from the strengths of HTML and CSS as foundations. Um, so, yes. I, I think I think it's a safe bet, you know, across the board. Though WordPress, I mean, it drives the internet. Let's just say it like it is. It, it, it's <laughs> the internet at this point. And while accessibility is a problem today, and and, and they're having those issues they know very, very well that they can't launch that way. And so oh, that's yeah. something that well, will it, be resolved. It should be noted that I think this either happened before the first time we tried recording or in between last week and this week. <laughs> but now there is an official accessibility statement that's been published on the WordPress.org uh, website. It's under the About page, and it's one of the sublinks. It says Accessibility or Accessibility Statement. And on that page, it says that all new code that enters WordPress will be WCAG 2.0 compliant. And if Gutenberg is merged into Core and it is not WCAG 2.0 compliant, uh, or it, it, it has, it, it's even it's even near the accessibility issues that it has right now. WordPress to project and Matt Mulloweg and, and folks will get raked over the coals. Oh yeah. And oh, I yeah, guarantee you that's not going to happen. It's not going to be yeah. that way. Yeah. They know, they know full well. Um, that they're this Gutenberg, they have an opportunity here and I think they're going to seize it to be a great example for mm -hmm. the rest of the web. I, I'm really curious to see, cause I agree. Like they, they will definitely, they will make good on that. I'm curious to see how they do it. I think that could be really awesome setting some standards perhaps for other JavaScript apps. The difference just between 2.5 and 2.6 was huge. Yeah. For what it's worth. Because I like keyboard. I, I My eyes are fine. My fingers are fine. I like keyboard controls. Mm -hmm. And the keyboard control in Gutenberg was significantly better in 2.6. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. And it's not like you're not working on accessibility. Each release has features and enhancements like this 2.6 actually has labels now for the block, which helps out with, with screen readers. And uh, it, it'll, it'll happen. It'll, it'll come to terms to where it'll be, it'll be pretty good to use uh, accessibility wise. But yeah, right now it's, it's not good. Uh, the other con is if you are a theme developer or plugin developer, I mean, you got a plan, you got to set aside time to make your stuff compatible with Gutenberg. If you want to be relevant, in the economy moving forward. If you, especially if you're selling stuff on, you know, whether it's the Envato market or whatever, if you make money doing this, you better be setting aside the hours that are going to be necessary. And starting now, you know, even though we know Gutenberg will change a lot, it's not going to change so significantly that you can't start figuring out now how to make your stuff compatible mm -hmm. with it. And people hate setting aside that time, you know, in, in a totally different world, but, a similar vein gdpr falls into this exact same kind of thing it's like we have to make stuff gdpr compliant we don't want to do it but if we want to you know make products that are relevant and frankly safe 
from fines, we have to think about that. Huge props, man, for getting GD- GDPR in this show. Huge props. <laughs> There's, I have that What's in GDPR? Mind. Oh, don't tell me you said that. No. General, General Data Protection Regulation from the EU coming May 25th. Oh. Th- this is on my scratch pad of, of show you better, do, you better do a show before May 25th. <laughs> before May 25th. So, Aaron, uh, you've got some reading to do, son. Clearly. Definitely living under a rock. If for you're telling weeks. people to prepare next, you know, within the next few weeks, it's too late. <laughs> you know, uh, the EU cookie law, right? Yeah. So it's, well, that's that's different. It's different, but it's a similar kind of thing that is happening. Yeah. Okay. Except that, in theory, and this is where I'm I'm going to go off on a tangent. Okay. Oh, I'm boy, say it. okay, we're on the side road here, folks. We're on, we're going on the side road. So I I actually sent a tweet about this this morning when I wasn't drinking. So it's okay. <laughs> Um, I'm still really interested to see how the EU thinks they're going to find American companies that aren't in the EU jurisdiction in any way, but they claim they can. So that'll be interesting. (laughs) We'll find out. Yeah, we will find out very quickly. Uh, if you are a big company without an EU presence, but you sell a lot of stuff over there, you're going to find out quick. And to bring it home, WordPress is bringing native gdpr functionality into core so yeah. if you if you're a wordpress dev you don't necessarily have to worry about it i assume there will be hooks and things that you can just tie in well well yes but uh and heather burns who's been of web dev law she's been helping out she's actually under contract with automatic and helping them with uh gdpr tools in wordpress but she had mentioned this and, it, and it's it's kind of an interesting fact um People use so many different plugins and themes, and you can have an infinite combination for a WordPress site. That one plugin, you can't just install a plugin and be GDPR GDPR compliant. That's not how it works. In fact, there's a huge change to the WordPress review guidelines today that says no plugin can claim uh, to make your site compliant with anything anymore, specifically to avoid from this situation from happening in the future. So there you go. Okay, GD, so gonna... GDPR ultim- ultimately comes down to the the site owner or maintainer's responsibility. So there's a lot of mom and pop folks who some who suddenly have to know about this G- GDPR stuff. Blah blah blah. All I'm hearing is that you just committed to coming back for another show. <laughs> <laughs> Shit. I I have some questions about it, but I that's uh we're digressing, so I'll save them. Yeah. The, the last thing on my short list here of the big cons, and this is the one that I look at and I'm like, I don't know what the solution is, mm-hmm. is this idea of block bloat. Um, because right now, if you use the Gutenberg experience as it exists today, and you go in and you say, I want to add a block, you get this, you get a, a little drop down. It's got a search for a block uh, uh, section at the top. And you've got s- suggested suggested blocks which i don't really know what qualifies as suggested you have blocks which i guess is the whole list um you have embeds which i guess is like an o embed type of feature i'm guessing Mm -hmm. um and then shared blocks which i don't know yet what shared blocks are as you can tell i have some reading still to do Um, (laughs) if you look at some of the existing like custom premium themes if you go if you go to theme forest and buy a theme uh from like avada let's say um, you know, one of the big ones that they have, what, probably hundreds of short codes. Yeah. The, the number of short codes that drive their system is insane. 
Um, or if you're using something from Woo themes, WooCommerce or, or those uh, areas, you know, so, so uh, short code heavy. And so I'm worried about that blocks drop down and mm -hmm. it getting so full. Like what good is searching for a block if I don't know how to search for it? You know, if I don't know the name of it or, you know, I know I need a button, but if they don't use an intuitive name or something like that, you know, like, you know what would be awesome if they don't already do this? Um, if I paste a link on a clean line to a tweet, if it would automatically replace that with a tweet block. Medium does this. Yeah, Medium does it. Well, yeah. WordPress does. TinyMCE does that. Oh, does it? That's yeah. Oh, embed is. You just, like, if, uh, as long as it's a whitelisted embed provider, if you just mm -hmm. paste a link in of uh, YouTube or Twitter into the visual editor, boom, it becomes an embed. Yeah. And it's a pretty cool feature. That with YouTube. Yeah, yeah. But I mean, if not, not just like, like on, um, I remember on the last time I used, WordPress a lot, you know, you drop a YouTube URL in, and then when it actually like loads the page in the, when you publish it, it replaces it with the video. But I mean like where it would like directly say like, oh, this is a thing and swap it out directly for the block. Like, oh, like, and I think it does. I think it turns it into a, uh, an embed block. Nice. Actually. Yeah. Okay. Well, there, okay. That's my, my wish has been granted there. No, and, <laughs> One of the cons, you know, that's that's a very interesting topic because if you if we go back to Mike McAllister and Atomic Blocks, so he's got one plugin, but it gives you uh, six or seven different blocks. So what if over time you have plugin authors who have one plugin, but you know, and then we we start to get into this situation like themes have everything you need under the box, all these different features and everything bundled in. What if we end up in a situation where we have plugin authors where you install one plugin and they give you a hundred blocks. So now when you go into the Gutenberg, you go into the editor and you try and choose a block, you've got to scroll through a list of hundreds of different blocks that you want to use. And I don't know how they're going to solve this, but that to me, just off the top of my head is a user experience nightmare. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm the same way. I don't know what the solution is. Um, and I fear for that day because every, I mean, think about really, really think about the plugins you use. And it's like, oh, this plugin adds two widgets. This one adds three. And we have this problem. If you go in under your appearance and get into editing widgets, um, like we, I, I'm running the Drunken UX podcast website with very few plugins at the moment. But just looking at it, I've got easily over two dozen widgets available to me. Mm -hmm. And so I've got this thing of collapsible widget areas. And then I've got this area of just, you know, widget puke, basically. And that's not even nearly as bad as I expect the that's block. That's a new one to me, widget puke. Widget <laughs> I made that up on the fly. You can thank the Dalmore. Uh, but yeah, this basic area, I mean, the whole approach, I don't know what the solution is. And it's something that, and if you look at, get in there and really dig into this, like the Gutenberg demo now as it exists. And you look at some of these areas and, and go under the blocks area, look at it. Um, when you click in there, not only is it a list of blocks, but they are divided up by sections inside a scrollable dropdown. So it's like common blocks. And then you've got formatting blocks and then you've got layout blocks with 300 blocks in there. That is, that will be unusable. The only solution in my head that comes immediately to mind is, 
you're going to have to let me enable or disable blocks and say, I don't want to see these or something or have like a, um, and maybe this is what shared is supposed to be. I don't know off the top of my head, but like, let me favorite blocks, maybe my blocks. I don't know. Maybe the suggested ones will take into account how often you use them. That's that would be my hope. I would think that yeah. it would come out, you know, over time and learn what I use the most, maybe, and make those the quick, you know, the suggested suggest. Like right now, I see paragraph embed cover image gallery. Like these are obviously the things that they expect you to use a lot. But uh, Caldera form that shows up immediately. I've never mm -hmm. once you embedded a Caldera form through Gutenberg, but it's a suggested block for me. So mm -hmm. although. Josh has been working on this. I saw. Uh, I'm excited about seeing the future of Caldera forms in a in a Gutenberg world. So, okay, I think uh, I think we've effectively burned ourselves out on this topic. I think <laughs> we've we've talked about it twice now. The second time uh, went better than the first. So oh, definitely, yeah. You're not <laughs> our dear listeners. You're not missing anything. You're you're welcome. Actually, what what you missed. I did not do it this time. What you did miss was me never saying the word Gutenberg on the first recording. I said different German words each time, but I never said the word Gutenberg. It wasn't nearly as funny as he thinks it, it is. Don't worry. It, no, it wasn't as funny as I thought it would be. <laughs> so I didn't do it again. I, I think the the takeaways. So let's let's think about this uh, holistically now. Is first off, have some apprehension. Observe it cautiously. Know that it's not done yet, but it you know, it's, it's coming. So it's worth, if you do any work in, in WordPress, you need to know this is coming. And I think what scares me is the number of people I have talked to that still don't know what Gutenberg is. Mm -hmm. And, you know, these are people who do a lot of web development who use WordPress, but they don't like follow every RSS feed. They aren't, you know, they aren't reading WordPress Tavern. Um, <laughs> We need to know it's coming. We need to just kind of watch, I think, for now. I think that's, for a lot of people, that's all you need to do. Go. And, and, and speaking of uh, informing users of Gutenberg, uh, this most recent version of WordPress was supposed to have like a call-out prompt for users that says, hey, try Gutenberg. We're working on this new editor experience. Be one of the first to try it out. Um, it was pulled back. They wanted to make a few changes to the call-out and how it works before it's actually Im in implemented in the core. And quite frankly, I don't know if this is the version of Gutenberg. They really want a, a ton of people to be testing. Yeah. <laughs> I think it needs to be ironed out a bit more before we initiate that call out. Uh, but at some point, there's going to be a uh, uh, like there, like a transition period campaign. There's going to be an, an information campaign. And um, at some point, you're going to see that call out in the back end of WordPress to where your everyday user is going to be two clicks from installing and activating Gutenberg on their site and being able to try it out on their live site, by the way. And uh, at that point, that's when, you know, if they do it on all sites or maybe just 10% of all websites first, uh, either or, that's when the, the, the whole brigade of, you know, people asking about Gutenberg and maybe that's when the knowledge bomb will drop for a lot of people. That was the thing that did surprise me about testing the plugin was I thought when I was going to install it the first time that it was going to like silo it, I guess. And it was, I mean, it was a full takeover. Uh, I was not prepared for that. Yeah. Well, that's what happens. Well, welcome to, uh, welcome to our world. Uh, yeah. But don't, don't let that scare you. Test the plugin. I think, it, I mean, if you do use WordPress with any regularity, you owe it to yourself, whether it's, you know, 
you can test it on a site without publishing anything. That's fine. Um, yeah, yeah. But, yeah. The, the Gutenberg inside the plugin, there's a Gutenberg demo you could use to where it has a whole bunch of different demo blocks already available. You, you could do that without affecting any of the uh, content on your site. Right. Test the plugin. If you find a problem, go check the GitHub issues and see if it's been logged. And if it hasn't, log that issue. Um, you know, do like we're doing. You know, share your experiences, what you think about it. Um, if you think it's going to disrupt your users in some big, meaningful way, people need to know that. And so it's kind of our responsibility as users and, and as people who are interested in this field to make sure that we are paying attention to that and just being mindful. Um, and if you can contribute, do it. Uh, if you if you know mm -hmm. how to fix something or you have a, a suggestion on how to fix it but don't know where it is, you know, put that somewhere so that you know, the people who can do the work know, know what needs to be done. It's a great time to learn how to file GitHub issues. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Keep in mind, it's coming. Yeah. You know, this, this isn't a maybe. You know, this is something that WordPress has hung its hat on. And the next few years of WordPress will live or die by what, you know, what Gutenberg's success or failure looks like. And we're all mm -hmm. hoping for success. Uh, you know, we see the roughness now, but I think... We all also see the, you know, the statue inside the marble, so to speak. <laughs> yeah, and I can't find. There's a website out there, and I, it had a great name, and I can't, I can't uh, figure out. Oh, that's what it was. Uh, well, there's, there's testgutenberg.com, where you can actually. Okay, yeah. So it uses. Oh, it's Frontenberg. Frontenberg, that was the name of the original website. But if you go to testgutenberg.com, you can actually play around with Gutenberg uh, without actually installing it on your site. And they usually do a good job of keeping this site updated with the latest. Yeah, so it's using yeah. the latest version of That's Gutenberg cool. there. That's really cool. Yeah, I'll make sure we toss that in the show notes too. Um, yeah, that's a, a great thing. In, in case you don't want to install it on your live site and don't want to mess around with it, just go here and then play around and break stuff. Yeah. Try to. It it I, really is like it. I mean, if it breaks your content, it breaks your content. But it is a cool editor. This episode of the Drunken UX podcast is brought to you by Gasmark A. Look, web hosting is not sexy. It's just something that's kind of there. You pay every month to the big hosting company that secretly owns all the smaller hosting companies, and you get slow speeds, oversold servers, and terrible support. But the reality is, the couple extra seconds it takes for your website to load could mean lost customers or clients. Less customers equals less money. Where do you go if you want super fast, reliable, and affordable web hosting and you don't really want to babysit a Linux server 24-7? Gasmark 8. Their hosting environment is built for speed and security. All SSD storage? Check. Blazing fast WordPress? Check. Free SSL certificates for all domains if you don't already have one? Check. Data centers on both U.S. coasts, the U.K., and mainland Europe? Yes, yes, yes. Gasmark 8 was started by an American, Mike Ritualski, and a Brit, Adam Palin. Two higher-ed veterans who met at a conference and started a company making WordPress websites. As more clients complained about their web hosting, Mike and Adam thought over a couple of ciders at the pub that there's got to be a better way. So they built one, and now dozens of small businesses, developers, and nonprofits trust Gasmark 8 with hosting their websites. If you run a web development or creative agency, Gasmark 8 has a great reseller program you can use to upsell their fast and secure hosting to your clients. 
as a special for listeners of the Drunken UX podcast, Guess Mark 8 is offering this limited time special. You can get all the features of their super fast platform for just $10 a month. Just go to gasmark8.com slash drunk to sign up. That's gasmark, the number eight, dot com slash drunk. Jeff, from our bottom of our hearts, we want to thank you all for coming on not once but twice and bearing with us. You mean from the bottom <laughs> of your glasses? Through the bottom <laughs> of your glasses, through the pain of me. Uh, y- y'all didn't, of course, get to see after we did the first recording, and, and you saw some frustration, and then I hung up, and my wife got to see the rest of throwing, <laughs> throwing my hat across the living room. And... Well, I do have good news. Audacity's still recording. <laughs> <laughs> Some, sometimes the old ways are best, but I think we uh, we did fine this time. But yes, Jeff thanks, Chandler, Jeff. check him out on WPTavern.com. Jeff, tell the folks where they can find you at if they want to see uh, what you're writing, what you're saying, anything like that. Uh, visit WPTavern.com or just log into the back end of WordPress. Usually you'll find articles that we published in the news dashboard widget. Sorry, folks. Uh, or you can visit me on Twitter at Jeffro, J-E-F-F-R-0, where... Uh, I try not to post anything political because there's too much of that crap on Twitter. And instead, I post pictures of my cool-ass dog, Smokey. I don't make that same promise, but I do try. I, <laughs> I, I try to be a little less confrontational lately. You're the reason uh, everyone wants to delete Facebook and Twitter. It's not entirely incorrect. <laughs> it, if you do love WordPress, be sure to check, check out Jeff's podcast as well. It's fantastic. Um, Jeff, remind me, who is your co-host? I can't remember his name. John yet. James Jacoby, known as J-Trip. Give him a shout-out. Yeah, so they are at WPTavern.com. It's WordPress Weekly is the podcast. If you're looking for in Google Play or iTunes or uh, Spotify, I'm sure it's probably there and all the other places. I don't know. Now I'm just rambling. I want to thank everybody for tuning in this week on Drunken UX. If you have any thoughts or comments or questions or anything you'd like to share, resources you have found that have helped you with Gutenberg, stop by our show notes. Let us know. We want to be able to share those with the rest of our listeners if you've got something great, including all the stuff we've talked about tonight and then some. We are going to have a lot of stuff listed in the show notes to go back and review. Test Gutenberg. You know, some of the stuff comes up on the fly. That's fantastic. We're going to have links to that. The articles, uh, the stuff that Jeff has written at WP Tavern, why Gutenberg, uh, my Gutenberg experience thus far, all of this stuff. Lots to go over. So be sure, stop by and check that out. I want to thank everybody for tuning in. Uh, Let us know what you thought. Let us know how you feel. Be sure to hit that subscribe button because I know this works just like YouTube. (laughs) (laughs) Be sure to also connect with us on Twitter or Facebook.com slash DrunkenUX and Come check us out on Slack. You can flame me over my JavaScript opinions and tell me what a Luddite I am. It's cool. Isn't it, isn't it Luddite? Luddite. 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 <laughs> flame me about my pronunciation of the word Luddite. That's meta. You can follow me at Fienan uh, or uh, Aaron is at Aaron M. Hill. Tune in on Monday. Or not Monday. This is Monday. You're hearing this on Monday. It's airing on Monday. It's launching on Monday. One this of is totally things. Monday. We're doing this live. It's, it's Monday-ish. Uh, tune in on Wednesday. The next episode of Real-Time Overview will be bringing you all the latest news headlines from the web world. Until next time, folks, keep your personas close and your users closer. <laughs> See ya. <laughs>